0: The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at StoneOakBible.com. On August 18th in 1963, In front of the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C., Martin Luther King Jr. delivered one of the most influential and um, famous speeches in all of American history. It's become known as the I Have a Dream speech, and uh, it was absolutely catalytic, and what what Martin Luther King Jr. did is identified um, injustice as he looked out, racial injustice, and this this, this scene is, is known for "I have a dream." painting a picture of, of what a new future could look like. And it was uh, in this speech, one of the most famous lines is, he says, "I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character." Mm. It's a powerful speech. Um, again, catalytic, calling out for justice, for change, for action. But it was in this speech that Martin Luther King Jr. quotes Amos. And um, although we've talked about this before, Amos is one of the lesser known books in your Bible for, for so many of us. Um, however, for many Americans, there is one passage of Amos that we will know, even though we may not know it belongs to Amos. It is poetic, it is powerful. And in Martin Luther King's speech, he says this, no, no, we are not satisfied, and we will not be satisfied until, he says, justice rolls down like waters, and righteousness like a mighty stream. This is Amos 5, 24, and in many ways, and in several reasons, um, I believe that Martin Luther King Jr. was correct to point to Amos in light of all the injustice that that he saw. I believe he was correct to do that. We're going to talk about that this morning. But I also want to argue that there is much, 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 much more to this text here this morning. And I believe that there is something that often gets overlooked as we look at this Famous um, verse. And we're going to dig into this, this text this morning. Um, we're going to start, if you have your Bibles, we're going to start our time in Amos 5, 16. I want to give us a little bit of context to get there. So if you remember what we're coming off of um, in, in the, the text that we just walked through, what God has just done is identified the sins of the people, and he calls them out. I'll be very quick to get us caught up, okay? And uh, Amos 5.10 says, they hate him who reproves in the gate. They abhor him who speaks the truth. What that means is they hate the truth and the truth tellers. They hate them both. He moves on into verse 11 and says, therefore, because you trample on the poor and exact taxes of grain from him. In other words, they're going exactly against, explicitly against God's command to care for those who are needy and hurting. They're trampling the poor that are among them. Right into verse 12, for I know how many are your transgressions and how great are your sins. You who afflict the righteous, who take a bribe, who turn aside the needy at the gate. So so here's what we're seeing. We see they hated the truth and those who told it. They trampled on the poor and the needy, and they promoted and contributed and profited from the injustice in their community. This was God's word against Israel, And, and it is from this. We got a glimpse of this last week. We're going to continue it on. But we see that the judgment that God is bringing against Israel is extensive. If you remember the first few verses in Amos 5, he says, Hear this word that I take over you in lamentation, O house of Israel, fallen no more to rise as the virgin Israel, forsaken on her land with none to raise her up. It says, For thus says the Lord, a city that went out. A thousand shall have a hundred left, and that which went out, the hundred shall have ten to the house of Israel. It's absolutely devastating, and and it's here. I told you I was going to be quick because we got we got some fun, some fun ahead. Um, but it's here that we get to our text this morning in verse sixteen. So in verse sixteen, right out of this, we read this. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord, in all the squares there shall be wailing. And in all the streets, they shall say, alas, alas, they shall call the farmers to mourning and to wailing those who are skilled in lamentation. And in the vineyards, there shall be wailing for I will pass through your midst, says the Lord. So that's devastating. That is sadness and lament. And, and, and um, listen, I have the understatement of the morning. You ready? Understatement of the morning. This is disappointing. <laughs> this is super disappointing to read. And uh, I have a horrible example, um, but this is what came to my mind. I am a cowboy fan, and I'm not talking like, like uh, um, horses and hats. The Dallas Cowboys, I'm a cowboy fan. And um, as a cowboy fan, I am used to disappointment, very used to it. <laughs> If you're a Cowboy fan, you know what I mean. And this is what came to my mind. Um, there are so many years, so, 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 so many years, when, when you have all the talent. It's all there. Like, oh, Super Bowl, here it is. Like, we have it. Uh, we have all the buzz, the press, the stadium on paper. Woo, it's there. This is our year year after year. This is our year. <laughs> and um, it's like the team was built and called and chosen for this moment. This, this is going to be our year. And after so much expectation in this, oh, the year starts. And most of the time, it does not take long because one thing after another, one game after another, disappointment. And we're left thinking, well, it shouldn't be like this. It should not be like this. So So here... This ridiculous example, Israel is a little bit like this in a much more serious way, and here 's what I mean for Israel, they were god 's chosen people, miracles like whoo um, they they had God fighting for them that 's cool they had they had God sustaining them, providing for them, leading them. They had God giving them his word, giving them his prophets. Ooh, like the cowboys, on paper, this is going to be awesome. Who can stop this? But unfortunately, also like the cowboys, disappointment. Disappointment. The people of God, God's chosen people, are now here in our text in complete lament, wailing, sadness, brokenness. And I have to just, it should not be like this. And yet here we are in our text. It's in complete brokenness. This is God's people. It shouldn't be like this. And yet here we are. And this brings us to something so important. Amos brings up this day in verse 18. This day that is called the day of the Lord. Verse 18 says this, Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Why would you have the day of the Lord? It's a fair question. It is darkness. It's not light. This this imagery is just crazy. As if a man fled from a lion and a bear met him. It's a bad day. Or went into a house and leaned his hand against the wall. And a serpent bent him. Again, bad day. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light and gloom with no brightness in it? I want to pause here because this is huge. This is huge. And we need to do some work digging in here. Got a question for you. What is this? What on earth is the day of the Lord? What is it? Um, For some of you, when I say day of the Lord, don't just you know, throw out answers, but in your head, think about it. When I say day of the Lord, some of you, your mind goes to like images of revelation and you got Jesus on a horse with a sword and it's just apocalyptic and death is being defeated and justice and truth is rolling in, right? For some of you, you think about that. Others of you, when I say the day of the Lord, you think happy thoughts. You think, well, on that day, I get to be with Jesus. The day Jesus comes and I'm with him in his presence and the finish line of this fallen world is there and now it's Jesus and it's good and it's happy. Some of you think about that. Others of you, when I say the day of the Lord, you might not think of any of that. You might think directly Old Testament on me. When I say day of the Lord, you think of smiting in the Old Testament. That's you, it comes to your mind. Others of you, you have absolutely no framework whatsoever when I say day of the Lord and you're thinking, isn't that Sunday? Lord's Day, right? So I got to ask, like, what is the day of the Lord? We need to dig in here. When we bring in all of the teachings of Scripture on the day of the Lord, um, the day of the Lord refers to two things, and these are not mutually exclusive, but the day of the Lord, when you see this in Scripture, refers to two things. Um, First, this is wordy, but I put it up here. So you're you're fine to read it. Um, it's that day. It is that revelation time. It's that day, the ultimate end when God will punish and restore the whole world. It's done through Christ's first and second coming. It is done. The day of the Lord is here. The enemy is defeated. Death is defeated. Sickness is defeated. Sin is defeated. Justice and righteousness are here, and they're not going anywhere. That's the day of the Lord. So when you think of this day of the Lord this in this way, think Revelation. The end of your Bible. The end of the story. That's the first. The second, though, is, is, is related. But the day of the Lord, as we look in Scripture, also refers to the times, the moments in history, the penultimate days that we see in Scripture and history that clarify, anticipate, and point to that final day. The times when God in his power shows up to bring his justice to bear on the world he created. Church, that's what we see in Amos. This is the second one. The people of Israel were about to experience the day of the Lord, the day when God was going to address their sin and his power and bring the the justice and righteousness. The day of the Lord is that moment when God in all of his holiness deals with sin and brings shalom, his peace. And on that day, the furthest one over, on that day, He brings his perfect shalom forever and ever and ever forever and ever. And on these days, over here on this side of the screen, on these days, he brings his justice and shalom in ways that points us forward to that day. The day of the Lord. And today... This morning, sitting in this room, we look back at the coming of the day of the Lord that we see in this text, for the people of Israel in this incredible text. But church, we also look forward to the day of the Lord that will come. We look back and we look forward. And Amos says something so important. I want us to look at this again. Look at this again. Um, Notice here. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Listen, this is revealing. This is really revealing because it reveals the heart of the people. Um, I'm going to get ahead of myself here. That's okay. I'm just going to throw it all out. We'll, we'll get, we'll, I'll catch up to myself here in a little bit. Um, unrepentant sinners should absolutely fear the day of the Lord. Because there is absolutely nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to go. He is perfect. He is righteous. He is just. And as sinners, we are not. And, and we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And, and Romans chapters 1 through 3 makes it clear multiple times that God's response to sin is perfect wrath. And, and we see this. And there will be justice on the day of the Lord. And to be clear here, that doesn't make our God bad or mean or cranky. It makes him good. That's right. That's right. You do not want a God who sweeps sin under the rug. Right. You might want him to do that with you. Right. We don't want that, church. That's right. We want a God who is perfect and holy and just. And on the day of the Lord, he is perfect and holy and he is just. It's this moment when God addresses and judges sin. And so for unrepentant sinners, woe to you who desire that day. Woe to you who desire that day! Unrepentant sinners should fear the day of the Lord. But here's the thing: we who are forgiven, we who are children of God, we who are redeemed, we can anticipate the day of the Lord with great hope. With great hope, I love the way Paul says this in First Thessalonians. Um, in First Thessalonians five, he he says this. Um, well, it would say it. There we go. There we go. All right. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then all of a sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. That is vivid. That is vivid. Especially for the mothers in the room. That's vivid. And church, that's Amos. Things were going well. Like we got our big houses and big vineyards. We're good. And then out of of nowhere, they will not escape. This is Amos. But check, check this one out. So, but you, but you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of the light, children of the day. We are not children of the night or of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do. But let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. Having put on the breastplate of faith and love for a helmet, the hope of salvation and I love this, for God has not destined us for wrath, That's right. but to obtain salvation through the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. That's awesome. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. As children of the light, we look at that day differently. Right. We look at that day differently. This is honestly what justification is. We've talked about it twice on this stage already this morning. Justification, that old saying it is, justification is being made just as if I have never sinned. That's what Jesus does. That's salvation. For those who have been justified, this is a day of anticipation. Think about it like two kids. I have an example, another, another weird one. I'm full of weird examples this morning. <laughs> two kids. One kid. Um, They're both waiting to get picked up from school. One kid had a horrible day. He has a letter from the principal. His behavior was horrible. Um, His grades are horrible. It's not good. And he's waiting there in car line for mommy and daddy. Okay. Kid number two. We have another kid who had an awesome day. Top grades, kindness off the charts, and has a letter of appreciation from his principal. They're both waiting. They're they're both sitting there in car line. But see, this kid over here, the naughty one, this kid over here fears that moment when he sees judgment day coming in the form of his mom and his dad when he has to give an account for what just happened and what's in his backpack. Kid number one, there's fear as he waits in that car line. While the other kid, <laughs> when will they get here? I think they're sonic on the way home from me. Like that's <laughs> this kid. Here's the thing. These are two very different responses from the children waiting. Two very different responses. And I want you to notice here which one of these are like Amos, the people of Israel and Amos. Which one? Amos says, woe to you who desire mom and dad to pull up in this car line. (laughs) Woe to you. Amos says, you have sinned greatly. You hated the truth. You hated the ones who speak the truth. You trample on the poor. You use them, take advantage of them, neglect them, turn them away in their need. You've promoted injustice, established injustice in your community, and set it up to where you profit from injustice in your community. And Amos says, the day of the Lord is coming, and woe to you. Woe to you. The day of the Lord ultimately is when God brings the justice. So what Amos says is, woe to you who walk in, celebrate, and benefit, and promote injustice. Woe to you on that day. And then he says, verse 21. I'm moving on. Uh, Fair warning, this one's tough. This one stings just, just a little bit. I hate, I despise your feasts. I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I won't accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, um, I'm not even going to look at them. Take away from me the noise of your songs. To the melody of your your harps, I will not listen. I hate and despise your feast. I don't delight in your assemblies. I don't accept your offerings. I will not even look at your peace offerings. I want you to take away the noise of your worship and your songs. And I'm not even going to listen to your melodies. So you read this. First, ouch. But then second, as you think about this, something struck me as I read this. I can't help but think, but wait, God, you're the one who established those peace. You're the one who told us to do this. You're the one who gave us the plan for our assemblies. You're the one who gave us in such great detail what our offerings should look like, what our sacrifices should look like, what our peace offerings should look like. You told us how to do it. You laid it out. It's your plan. Your word told us this. Your word says, sing to you a new song, and now you tell me you hate it? I looked at this, and it's just you you have to ask, and Here's the thing, our feasts, our assemblies, our offerings, our songs, hear me, they are all good things. They are all good things. They are all things God told us to do. They are things that God's word has told us to do. So what can this mean that now our God hates what he commanded, despises it, will not accept it, look at it, listen to it. He will remove it. God, these are your things, your command. But here's the thing, as I sat with this, I realized something we've said this before in Amos, that all the outward signs of religious motions that we go through does not fix or address a sinful, wicked heart. It does not address it. It does not even touch it. It does not purify it. The heart of the problem was a heart problem for the people. And that's why I I, I had to bring this text up. Hosea 6, God says it so clearly. I desire steadfast love, not sacrifice the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. So even doing God things, doing things in the name of our God, doing things for him, um, church, that alone does not please him. It does not save you. And it doesn't even earn you brownie points with him. It doesn't make you more likable, more lovable. This is why Jesus, in one of the hardest texts, I've never officially preached this text, but it haunts me. In Matthew 7, when Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, um, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He goes on to say, on that day, many are going to say, Lord, didn't I do these things in your name? Didn't I prophesy? Didn't I do mighty things and cast out demons, right? And then Jesus says, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Jesus is pointing to the same thing here that church it's possible for us to do all the right things on the outside all of them to go through all of the right religious motions and even to do the things that scripture tells us to do and that scripture says is good and yet for your heart to be far away from God not even caring about God Christ saying depart from me I never knew you today we might not have the same feast they did um the same offerings, uh, the same songs. The church, we have our songs, we have our offerings, we have our assemblies, we have our feasts. And God's word is so clear to us, just as clear to us as it was to them, that he desires love and not sacrifice. That, that he desires the knowledge of him rather than all the burnt offerings. He, in other words, he wants your, your head, your heart, and your hands. He wants all of you. He wants all of you. And just to be clear here, I want to say this one more time, just to, I am not heard wrong this morning. The feasts, the assemblies, the offerings, all of that, um, those were good things. They were not the problem. And Amos here is not calling them to stop. If you notice, uh, these things are good things. These are things, think about it like this, that would actually bring delight to our God when they come from a repentant heart, when they come from faith and love. Um, God looks at the heart. Um, before we planted Stone Oak Bible Church, I was a worship pastor for, for a while, and um, There are so many times when just out of nowhere, and I mean this, a song, an old school song will just flood into my head, a song I have not played, I have not sung in years, and it will come out of nowhere, pop into my mind, and without any chord chart, without any lyrics, it's like, oh, it's just there, I can't get it out, I, I know the whole chord chart in my mind. Um, muscle memory, except now my calluses aren't what they used to, so it hurts a lot more. But it's still there. And and this week, as I was sitting with this text, I had it happen to me that my mind there was a song. It's an old school song. Many 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 years ago, this song was sung in churches almost every week, every church. Um, it was really popular back in in the day. It's a song called "Heart of Worship," and. Um, The pre-chorus of this song just flooded my mind. Um, The pre-chorus of the song says, I'll bring you more than a song. For a song, some of you are singing it. I know it shows me how long you've been following Jesus. For a song in itself, I'm not going to. It's not what you have required. You searched much deeper within through the way things appear you're looking into my heart. Church, that is Amos. The right. right. section of Amos. As we look at our lives today, God has called you to, to be a part, for example, of a local church, to be generous with your time with others and your talents and your treasures to come together and worship in our songs, um, to use your gifts in the church and in the community, to tell people about Jesus, to remember Jesus in communion, to remember Jesus as we're about to do, and baptism. He's called us to do these things, yet we can do all these things. And church, you should do these things. They are fantastic things to do. They're the will of God for you to do. You should do these things, but you need to hear me. None of those things save you. None of them. None of the things that we do. You're not saved by your church attendance. You're not saved by how loud you sing in church. You're not saved by how much you give to your church. You're not saved by taking communion or getting baptized. You're not even saved by how many people you tell about Jesus. I mean, that's cool. There's no salvation there. All of those those things are great ways for you to glorify your God. All of them are fantastic ways for you to bring glory and to remember Jesus. Yet all of those things make lousy saviors. And even more, they are so terrible to try to hide behind. To try to hide behind. God wants your heart. And our worship is an overflow from the heart. See, the people of, of Israel and Amos, they, they they may still have had their great church attendance back in the day. They were still rocking some great worship nights. Um, but they were ignoring the heart of God. They did not follow after God. They did not want justice or truth. They, they wanted more money and more houses and bigger houses with better stone and more vineyards, more and more. They did not love... People and use money in their love of people. They loved money and used people in their pursuit and love of more money. And no matter how much you dress that up with religion, it still stinks. And that's what we see in Amos. And this church gets us to that line. That famous I have a dream line. He says. God says, listen, I hate your feasts, despise them, don't delight in them, don't accept, don't look at, don't listen, all-encompassing, and then right out of that in verse 24, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Okay, I said at the beginning that I think as Martin Luther King Jr. said these words, I believe he was right in pointing to Amos to deliver the kind of speech that he delivered. Mm-hmm. But as I said, I also believe there is much more here that we often do not even touch or consider, and we need to this morning. So we've spent a little time getting to this moment, and I want to show you what I mean. I want to show you the two ways that I think he was absolutely right to point to Amos. Number one, Martin Luther King Jr. was right to point to Amos because he was reminding us that God actually cares about injustice. He actually cares about this. Our God cares about this. God was calling out in, in the people of Israel injustice, and they were calling, God was calling them out for ignoring the terrible things that were going on around them because God cares about this. That means as we walk through those doors... You and I should care about the injustice in our community. And I know it's so easy to get jaded and suffer compassion fatigue. Because how do you care so much all the time? I get that. But that's your calling. Because God doesn't get weary. God doesn't have compassion fatigue. And his spirit indwells you. So neither will you. Get to work. God cares about this and so should we. And so that means, as God's people, we should not just be known for our elaborate and great worship gatherings, but for our Christ-like love. This is the heart of God. To follow Christ is to be a disciple of Christ, which is to have the heart of Christ. This This is our calling. So let justice flow. Let righteousness flow. So in a dark world... Martin Luther King Jr. reminds us of our prayer and our purpose to be the hands and feet of Jesus to bring shalom to our community. So in that way, he was spot on to point to Amos. Another thing is I think um, Martin Luther King Jr. captured well actually the call of Amos 5, 14, and 15. If you look at your text, a few short verses earlier it's this text where God says, hey, 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 seek good, not evil, that you may live. He, in verse 15, he says, hate evil, love good, establish justice in the gate. Listen, as you, as you look at that speech that he gave, man, that was Amos 5.15 speech. That's what that was. He was, he was saying in this time for us to, it's time for us to hate evil, to love good, and to establish justice. And to that, as people of the word, we say yes and amen. His, his dream was of a community who hated evil, who loved good, and who established justice. It was a reminder of us. However, I believe that something has been largely missed right now. And um, although. King's dream can be likened to Amos and should be likened to Amos in so many ways. Hear me, I, I believe that, that Martin Luther King Jr. preached the right message from the wrong text. He should have quoted 15. It's not as poetic as 24, though. I get it. Uh, but there is something I believe so much deeper. But let justice roll down like waters. And righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. I have a question for you. In this verse, whose justice is this text referring to? Whose righteousness is this text referring to? Is it man's or is it God's? Is it man's or is it God's? Now, is it man's justice? Let's start here. Meaning, is this a call for the people to turn from their ways and to turn towards justice and righteousness? Well, as I mentioned in some sense, Amos 5.15, yes, hate that evil, love that good, and establish that justice. Yes. So many scholars have have looked at this and said, yes, that's exactly, this is the justice of man. But here's the thing though, I'm just going to cut right to it because I could be here all day, but I'm not. um, I do not believe that's the best way to answer that question. As I look at this, and as so many other biblical scholars look at this through history, I believe that the best way to answer this question is, whose justice is this, is I believe that this is not the justice and righteousness of man. And we need to think about this. What if this is a reference to God's justice and righteousness flowing down? What if? Um, What if this is a reference to the fact that God is going to judge the injustice? What if this is God's justice and God's righteousness flowing down? As I've studied this text, I believe the context of Amos 5 leads us to understand that the justice and righteousness of this text in 24, that this is a reference to the justice and the righteousness of our God flowing down. The righteousness flowing down. Down. In fact, to be more specific, I believe that Amos 5.24 is a direct reference back to the day of the Lord That's right. that we have been talking about already. And if you remember, what's the day of the Lord? Well, the day of the Lord is that day, that moment when God brings the justice and the righteousness, when he deals with the sin and the injustice, and he establishes the justice. And what here, what here Amos is saying is, woe to you people! who are desiring the day of the Lord because your hearts are wicked, you hate the truth, you trample the poor, you promote and profit from injustice. And Amos says here that God is bringing the judgment and the day of the Lord is coming. And verses 21 through 23 reminds us that none of your religious motions are going to stop that. None of them. You cannot hide behind that stuff, the offerings, the assemblies, the songs, the feasts, because God desires more. And right out of that, with so much sadness and lament that the day of the Lord is coming, it's here that Amos describes the day of the Lord as that, as justice. flowing, rolling down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Church, I believe this is so vitally important. I cannot overstate this. I cannot overstate this. Please hear me. This leads us to an incredibly important question. The first question was, who's justice? But if this is the justice of God, and as justice is rolling down and righteousness of God is coming down like ever flowing streams, I got to ask you, where is your hope? Where is your hope? Because if it's man's justice that's in view here, your hope is doing better, being better. But as we understand this is the day of the Lord, and this is the justice of God, I've got to ask, where is your hope? The justice of God, I've already said this because I got ahead of myself, is terrifying, terrifying for a sinner. So as a sinner, where is your hope? Where is our hope? Because here's what I know. Your righteousness alone is not going to cut it. Um, your you continually fall short. And you know that about you. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. In fact, you know it more than I do. None of your works are enough. And even that, your righteousness, according to Scripture, your best works are like filthy rags, which aren't all that awesome. So I know we know that's not enough. And we know that Romans 1:18 says, the wrath of God is coming from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men. Church, that's me. That's you. So where is our hope? Where is our hope? Scripture says in Romans three twenty three, all of sin fall short of the glory of God. And then Romans six twenty three reminds us, hey, the wages of that is death. Where is your hope? Where is our hope in this? I want to look at Romans 3, actually. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I quoted that already, but praise God it doesn't end there. Because verse 24 says, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation, which which means that God took the wrath that you deserved. That day of the Lord, fear he took that by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he passes over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time. I love this text. So that he might be just and the justifier to the one who has faith in Christ. Church's justice and righteousness of God flows down. As it comes down, as we see in Amos. And just as we will see on that day that we look ahead. Our only hope, your only hope is Christ Jesus. He is everything. Everything. When the justice and righteousness of God flow down, there is only one, only one way to be saved. There is only one anchor, there is only one place to hide ourselves. Only one. It's not our assemblies. It's not our feasts. It's not our songs. It's not our righteousness. It's not any work that we can do. It is Christ and Christ alone. And here's our call from our text this morning. Amos has already called us to be this remnant. Amos 5.15 that says, hate, evil, love, good, establish justice. We're called to be this countercultural people for God in the midst of an evil world. We've already talked through that. But this morning, as we look at this text specifically, God is calling you to look up and to look ahead to the coming day of the Lord. Just as sure as it was coming for the people of Israel. And by the way, all the words that we have read has come true for the people of Israel in the book of Amos. And just as sure as it was coming, Church, it is coming for us. Jesus is coming, and with him, justice. Justice will roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. So let us seek the Lord and live. Christ is our living hope. And I want to end with this. Um, I know I've already put this text on the screen, but there's no rule that I can't show the same text twice because it's that good, okay? I want to look again. With all that we've talked about now, I want us to look at 1 Thessalonians 5 one more time, the final verses. And again, church, as we listen to this, as we look forward to the day of the Lord, that day when we see Jesus, that moment when all the broken gets unbroken, I want you to listen to this. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. So that whether we are awake or asleep, we might, church, take this in, live with him. So we know that, and here's your part. Verse 11, therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Mm. The day of the Lord is coming. Christ is our living hope, our only hope. Let's encourage each other with that.